0: it too. I should have put Noah in the video. He goes to Riverside as well. But hey, uh, seriously though, if they sell 15 books, they get to go to Northern Air, all three of them. So hey, help them out. Oh. My oh my, isn't that fun? It is fun. It is fun. It is fun. It is fun. All right, kids, we're going to release you to go. Have a great time. And enjoy. Learn of the Lord and serve Him. Well, I hope you listened to all the different things that were spoken and the different words that were said today because they really did focus on exactly what the Lord has for this. Uh, sermon this morning like last week we began to look at hebrews chapter 11 we looked at what we call the faith chapter and here's the eight things that we got out of the first six verses so faith is the assurance of god's promises that god is going to do what he says Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Even though we don't see it, we know in our hearts that God's spoken it so we can believe it. We have a conviction in our heart that God has spoken what's true. And that faith actually gains God's approval. God approves of faith because it's placing trust in Him, and so He, he approves that. And faith believes what God says about a circumstance or situation just trust Him, believes what He says is true, and, and can base their lives upon that. So faith is an issue of the heart in response to God. It always comes from the heart. Faith is something that we place in Him. And that God is pleased with faith. He not only approves it, but it pleases Him. And that God can actually be pleased in us when we respond with a simple faith. And that faith believes that God exists, that He is Lord. That faith believes that God rewards those who seek Him. And so there's this concept of faith. And so today I want to go ahead and talk about faith equals obedience. You heard the word obedience quite a few times this morning already as people were talking about testimonies as John spoke about. Uh, prophesy about obedience as he showed forth those things. Faith equals obedience. And I want to show you this as clear as I possibly can because I think it's very important. Faith is never just something we have in our mind. Faith is never just, I believe this in my brain. Faith is actually putting into... into Practice through obedience what God says. And you'll see this, and I'll show you as clearly as I possibly can. And so I skipped Noah in verse 7, because I'll get to him later. And I was going to do all of Abraham today, but I only got through verse 8. That's the way it works with me. So don't even worry about it. the, The Bible's there. We'll get to it hebrews eleven eight says this says by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going, and so this is really important. This is something that I want us to understand and grab hold of from this this chapter on faith it says that abraham obeyed god not knowing where he was going he obeyed god even though he didn't know where he was going god says go to the land i'll show you and i'll see the i want you to see this that when god talked to him in genesis chapter 12 god didn't say oh well if you'd like to or I suggest God commanded him. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country. That's a command. He's not giving him a suggestion. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and your father's house to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So he says, go. He commands him. And the scripture in Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed God. In other words, he believed what he said, and he did it. Faith equals obedience. And they're so intertwined, there's no breaking of them. It's impossible. You can't have faith and then not obey. And you can't obey without having faith. They're interconnected, so interconnected that one can't be spoken without the other. Because obedience is that thing. You see, when Abraham left, it wasn't a blind faith. That's what a lot of people say. Faith is blind. It's like leaping off a cliff into the dark. You just, you just fly off the cliff. That's faith. Well, faith, that's faith if God says jump off the cliff. Right? Right? It's it's ridiculous if God didn't say. Well, that's presumption. That's presuming something. Faith is always based. Remember we talked about that last week. Faith is always based on a promise. Without the promise, there's no true faith because faith comes from the Word of God. Faith comes from God speaking forth something and we respond to Him. And so that really becomes important. Faith is not an emotion or a feeling. Oh, I feel strong and full of faith today. Well, that doesn't mean you're operating in faith. It just means you have a feeling, an emotion. Faith is more than an emotion. Faith is responding to God despite emotion faith is saying you said this lord and i'm fearful but i'm stepping out faith lord you said this but i'm i'm nervous about this but i'm stepping out you said this so i'm going to trust you it's not a feeling it's not an emotion i think so often we we especially in america and maybe other places emotions seem to be the things that drive us emotions are the things that we base Our feelings on, you know, like, okay, do I feel good today? Hmm, let me check. Ooh, I feel good. Or, oh, I feel bad. And then we respond by feeling bad and going by our feelings rather than by what we know is true. I think this happens with the concept that we have, too, with love. Love. We t- we've turned love into just some emotion. Oh, I feel love. Ooh. You know what I mean? I got goosebumps. I must love them. Ooh. And then we, we just go on feelings, but love is not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. Faith includes feelings, love includes feelings. You guys haven't heard me say this one for a while, so I'm going to say it again because I, that Don Francisco song, you guys know it. Come on! I say it a hundred times. But this chorus just really got me thinking so long ago. It says, Jesus didn't die for you because it was fun. He hung there for love because it had to be done. And in spite of the anguish, His word was fulfilled because love is not a feeling it's an act of your will love is a choice that we make love is a choice it's a decision of the heart that's why you know when you think about this jesus says love your enemies do you think he means have goosebumps Ooh, i just love you you know does that do you think that's what he's talking about he's talking about show love what i say is love to your enemies. You minister life to them, even if they're opposed to you. And that's what Jesus did. And so, there's this idea of faith then. Faith is this feeling, but faith isn't a feeling, it's an act of your will. Faith is responding to God. Faith is being obedient to the call of God. That's what it talks about here. By faith, Abraham obeyed not knowing where he's going. I have no idea, no clue. God finally brought him into the land and showed him where it was. and said, this is the land I'm going to give you. But he stepped out. He believed God, and he moved forward. So I'm going to show you this connection between faith and obedience. This is really important in my mind. There is a that interconnection. I'm going to show you by one negative example and by one positive example. Okay? So the negative example comes from the children of Israel. Remember, we talked about them last week. They wandered in the wilderness because they didn't believe God. They wandered in the wilderness because of their disobedience. So they, they didn't follow after God. They grumbled against Him. They complained against Him. It said ten times And so there's this idea of not entering in. So go to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and I want you to see the interconnection of this about unbelief and disobedience. Look for those words as we read this. So Hebrews chapter 3, now we're in the middle of a discussion, but... He's explaining this. I kind of set, it, set you up that it was the children of Israel who died in the wilderness. It says, "In whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? So who did God say that? It says, But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. They're using these like synonyms. Right? It says, And whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but those who were disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So negative example of this, not believing God always uh, ends up in disobedience. Not believing what he says causes us not to do what he says. And so it leads us to disobedience. So if we want to look at the opposite end of that and make it into a positive statement, believing God always leads to obedience. Believing God always leads to obedience. And the positive example I want to give you is is Jesus himself. And I know sometimes... Sometimes when I use Jesus as an example, I hope you don't do this. Well, that was just Jesus. That was just Jesus. He's the Son of God, of course. Of course, He's going to do everything right. Of course, He's going to do it perfectly. Of course, what do you expect? But I'm me. Well, I want to remind you that Jesus Christ came as a man. Born of a woman. Born under the law. Okay? He came the same way that we are, and He limited Himself to exactly what we have. Exactly what we have. He limited Himself. He didn't use His own power. He used God's power to heal the sick. He used God's power to do anything that he did that was miraculous. He didn't do anything in his own will. He said he did everything that he saw the Father doing. So he was doing only what God was showing him to do. So he was using God's guidance, not his own direction, not his own divinity and authority as God. He laid that aside. He came as a man. And I'm going to show you how this works. It's very interesting. And... Uh, So when I'm using Jesus as an example, he came as a human being to show us how to walk with God and that it's possible. And the only reason it's possible is by the power of God in us. We've been cleansed from our sin when we come to know him. Now we have the ability to walk in the power of God through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus So we have that same ability, and I think you'll see that as we go through these passages of Scripture that we're going to talk about. But Jesus is an example of a man who walked by faith. But I have to tell you this, faith in itself is not valid until it's tested. Faith must be tested to assure its validity. This is an interesting scripture, because this is talking about Jesus now. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. It says, in the days of his flesh, when he came here walking on the earth, right? Because Jesus, we must believe that Jesus came in the flesh, Right? Days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him, the source of eternal salvation. Now I got to stop there and ask a couple of questions because isn't Jesus perfect? Wasn't Jesus spotless? Wasn't Jesus sinless? Well, it says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. What in the world is that talking about? Well, every time God gave him a direction, he had a choice to make, he had a decision to make whether he would walk in that and some of the ways and some of the things that God asked him to do were painful. Very painful. Jesus was, was a human just like us, even though he's the Son of God. He laid aside all that to become a human. And so he had emotions just like we have. He has feelings just like we have. He's tempted just like we're tempted. And we'll see that in a, in a minute. But I want you to see that he's sitting in the same kind of a position that we're in with the feelings and the emotions and all those things, yet he chose to believe God. He learned obedience by the things that were suffered. And I just want to say this, you know, we never know if we're truly obedient until we're put in a situation in which we're tried. We never know if we're going to be truly obedient until we're placed in a situation that tests that. and you can look at this from the life of Jesus you can look at it from the beginning of his birth you can look at it during the temptation in the wilderness you can look at it in the garment gar- garden garment <laughs> garden of gethsemane you can see it remember in the garden he's just he's he's beside himself man he's just he's weeping he's so stressed out that Drops of blood are coming from his head because he knows the decision he's going to make. He knows they're going to take him. He knows they're going to beat him. He knows they're going to kill him, place him on that cross. He knows the sin of the world is going to come upon himself. And so three times he cries out to God. Three times he's in agony. And then he says, not my will, but yours be done. And he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. I'm being obedient even to the point of death. And that's what it talks about in Philippians. He became obedient to the point of death, Philippians chapter 3. And so there's this whole idea of learning obedience through the things that we go through. We only know if we're going to be obedient when we hit that time where we have a decision to make. Matthew 4.1, I want you to see this because this is super important in my mind. If you think Jesus just went out into the wilderness willy-nilly and that the devil just came to seek Him out, I want you to know what the Scripture says. In, in Matthew 4.1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness. It's the Holy Spirit that led Him there to be tempted by the devil. You see, one of the first things as Jesus was baptized, and He was recognized by God, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The very first thing that takes place is that the Spirit takes Him into the wilderness. Now He's the anointed one. He's the one who has been proclaimed the 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 one who takes away the sins of the world here's the lamb of god john says who takes away the sins of the world he's been proclaimed he's been declared but now he has to be tested his true self has to be tested it's so the holy spirit really the word it says here led is driven he was driven into the wilderness by the spirit so he could have a confrontation with the enemy. God never tests us so that we'll sin. Anytime we're placed in a test by God, it's so that we overcome and prove who we are in Him. It's the devil who tempts us to sin. God never tempts us to sin. God never tests us so we'll sin. He tests us to see if we'll be obedient. And that's what he said about those who were in the wilderness. There was that the thing he said, very simple thing. How does God test them? He goes, I'm going to test them to see if they'll, if they'll listen to me. I'm going to give them manna. And so I'm going to tell them to take a certain portion for each person in their family. Take a certain portion and only take one portion for each person. And some grabbed more and it rotted. He tested them and they failed. Then he says, Well, here's another way to test them. I'm going to tell them on the sixth day, gather two days' worth because there'll be none on the seventh. And so some people didn't do that. They came out in the seventh and there wasn't anything in there. He tested them, but they weren't obedient. They didn't listen to what God had said. And so God tests, the devil tempts. And so here's what it says. And, and this is, this is um, really good for us to know in Hebrews chapter 14. Excuse me, Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. This is talking about Jesus as our high priest. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin." Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. He's saying this, and this, this is either this word of God is true or it's a lie. Jesus was tempted in every way. doesn't mean he's gone through every single solitary thing we've ever gone through. You know, he didn't have computers, didn't have all that kind of junk. But you know what? The temptation's the same. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he didn't have a personal computer and an iPhone and all that kind of stuff. But he was tempted in every way. Tempted to be distracted by it. Tempted to be distracted by this. Tempted to, to, to lust. Tempted in every way. But without sin. Because he chose God every time because he chose obedient, obedience to the Word of God every single time. But we have to see this, that he was really tempted. Some people teach this stuff, and it just drives me crazy, because while well, Jesus, he was perfect, he couldn't be tempted. Adam and Eve were, were created perfect, and they were tempted Temptation has nothing to do with the aspect of your perfection. It has to do with the lust and desire of your soul. Adam and Eve wanted to become like God, so they disobeyed his word. Jesus wanted to honor God, so he kept his word. There's a huge difference in that, but they were both tempted. How can someone who has perfection be tempted? Again, it has to do with the issue of the heart. Adam and Eve were led astray by the enemy and Jesus came and met the enemy in the wilderness and he conquered him. He overcame him and resisted him and stood against him in every aspect. I want to say this too is that your level of faith is measured by your level of obedience. Your level of faith is measured by your level of obedience. Jean Marie gave a testimony this morning and she said there were some things that God wanted her to get rid of and she didn't really want to <laughs> Well, you know, we like to cling to things. And she could have she could have worked her way through it and said, "Well, you know, these are really expensive and, you know, I might I might get back to my 20s." And just, justif- you know what I'm saying? And justified it and said, I'm keeping these because I really want them. And then that's a sign of her disobedience. You see, her obedience was not tested until she had to give something up that she really wanted to keep. That's how it works. Our obedience to Christ is never tested until we come up against the circumstance where our will wants to go against His where we want something where he says to get rid of, where we want to keep it or we want to go somewhere because we think it's going to do something for us. But true obedience comes even with, I don't want to give this up. That's a sign of true obedience to me. And that's what she pointed out, that she wanted to obey God. And she's got him in the car ready to do whatever that's going to happen to him, right? Hallelujah. See ya. That's that's obedience. No, I don't want to, God, but because you said. Jesus said, I don't want to go through this. But not my will, your will. And it says that even though it says he despised the shame, he endured the cross for us and to be obedient to the call of the Father. I'm telling you, obedience is so important because it's a measure of your faith. You know, there are those that I think misrepresent the Word of God so strongly. I remember watching a guy on TV. I used to like him. I, well, I like his teaching. He's a good teacher. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but he's a good teacher, but he started going insane and started going on this once you say this little prayer, then you're saved, and that's it. You don't have to live a life, you don't have to do anything you can you're saved, and it doesn't really matter. And he gave an illustration that just absolutely drove me up a wall because what it's doing is it's misrepresenting the scripture, it's misrepresenting who God is, and it goes a contrary to tons of other scripture. We can take the scripture out of balance so that we can just do this, and so one of his examples he says, well, let's say there's a person here, and they're living in immorality and they 're doing all this stuff and they're doing all this, and then there's this person here, and they just they say a prayer to accept jesus and and you know maybe instantly, right now then this person's saved. And so what he says, they're saved. And once they're saved, they're always saved. And it doesn't matter what they do. He can continue on in his lifestyle. He can continue to do what he does. But this one's saved and this one's not. And my, I go, ah! How about do not be deceived? God is not mocked. Whoever does these things will come under judgment. It talks about it. A simple prayer that's stated is not faith in Jesus Christ. You can pray a prayer a hundred times and not have your heart changed and not be obedient to the truth. And I just think of what John said. He says, bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. If you come to Jesus Christ and there's no change in your lifestyle, then you have to ask yourself, have I truly come to Christ in faith because you can't be a believer in Christ and just continue in your path of sin now it's true we do grow we do mature we do learn things and we do go step by step but that's different from not changing it's not I said this prayer now I can just continue my lifestyle no it's a lifestyle of obedience to God because We love Him for what He's done. There are some people who are so afraid of the word works, they get scared. They're so worried about works because they want it to be so absolutely, 100% salvation by Jesus Christ alone. And that's true, that we're only saved through the blood of Jesus. But let me tell you, if you have faith, you're going to have works. And that's what, James says, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to affect the way you live. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to change you because He's Lord of your life now. And that's what's what's so interesting. Do you know there's some of the Reformers? You know, you've heard of the Reform, the church, you know, when it broke off from the Catholic Church? They had sola, 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 only, you know. They had sola Scripture, right? Only, only the Word of God is our measure because they were trying to break away from the tradition that was added by the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church places tradition and the Word of God on an even basis, even putting tradition sometimes over Scripture, right? So that takes place. So they said sola Scripture. And then sola in Christ, you know, salvation is in Christ alone, period. And I agree with that 100%. But we have to understand that faith without works is dead. If you say you trust in Jesus Christ, but your life doesn't show it, not perfectly 100%, I'm awesome, you know, and never do a thing wrong. But the idea is our hearts are after Him. We're pressing in after Him. Our lives are changing. We're being transformed. We're being renewed from glory to glory into the image of God. Things are happening in our life to show that our life is following Jesus. This is what we're talking about. And someone, want, want to say, "Don't no works. You bring works into it, then you're adding to the blood of Jesus. Well, That's not what James says and that's why some of them didn't really want James to be in the New Testament. But guess what it was? (laughs) You have to deal with it. You got to deal with James. We're saved by faith in Christ alone, but a faith in Jesus Christ obeys the Word of God. Now, listen to what it says. James chapter 2, verses 17 through 26. It says, Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. It's not a true faith, it's a dead faith. A faith without works. I just think you could almost use the word obedience because the obedience to God is what the works are, right? We're obeying. It says, God created us for good works. It's part of who we are as believers. We do good works. Not to get saved, but because God has saved us and created us for these good works. So the good works are evidence of our faith, evidence of our belief in Christ. Uh, The things that we do show forth that we have a faith in God. And so it says here, even so, faith if it has no works is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. And he says this, he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. You know, they don't have faith, but they believe. <laughs> right? Right? He says, but are you willing to recognize, O foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Faith without obedience is useless. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? We haven't looked at that yet. That's still in Hebrews after this, verse 8. But he says, didn't he offer up his son by faith? And Hebrews tells us that he believed that God was able to raise him from the dead because God had made a promise. It was through Isaac. Period. Him. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice him. He says, God, Abraham believed God would raise him from the dead. He would kill him, and then God would raise him from the dead because he said, Isaac. That's amazing. It's incredible. And because he went and he raised the knife and he said, Stop! Because now I know that you believe in me. His faith had to be put into action. You say, well, doesn't God know everything? We still have to respond. So he had to give them that opportunity to say, no, I'm not doing it, God. I'm disregarding what you said. But he says, i I don't understand this. I don't get it. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. And then God will raise him from the dead because God gave me a promise. And So when he had this up, he said, Stop. Now I know that you truly believe in me. That you truly trust in me. It's amazing how that works. Verse 22 says, you see that faith was working with his works. Because he believed God, so he did his works. Faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. In other words, your faith cannot be perfected unless you respond to what God says. Faith isn't A belief in the mind. Faith isn't just a belief in the heart. Faith is an acting on the Word of God. Acting on His truth. And bringing it to bear in your life. And so Scripture was fulfilled. And says, And Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. It's never been that way where you just, well, I just believe. I believe in Jesus. How many people have you met? I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I believe, I believe, I believe. Are you following Him? Are you being transformed by Him? Have you put your faith into practice? So believing God's not a mental assent. Believing God is receiving by faith what he says and acting accordingly to his call and purpose in your life. It says in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? What's proof of her faith? that she talked to these guys and said, we're, we're scared to death here. We know that God's with you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to send you out by a different way. Just remember me when you come. And they said, okay, we'll remember you. Make sure you put a scarlet thread upon your door so that when we attack this city, that when we destroy this city, we will not harm you. And whoever is in that room with you will protect and will keep safe she believed therefore she responded and so that's important for just as the body is without without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead and so again they're pointing to the fact that that if you want to look at this this way just like we have a spirit in our body and when we go To be with the Lord, our spirit departs. Remember Jesus when He was in the cross? It says He breathed His last. He gave up His spirit. (laughs) His body's dead. Just like that works is the the spirit of our faith. If you want to look at it that way. I'm just trying to give it the picture that it shows here. (laughs) You take the spirit away, the body's dead. You take Obedience away, faith is dead. And that's exactly what the Scripture says. Faith without works is dead. So then am I saying that we have to work to get saved? No, we work because we're saved. We do it as a proof of our faith, a proof of our trust in the Lord. We we step out not knowing where we're going because God has asked us to do it. See, faith isn't just something we make up. Faith is in God. Faith is in what He says. And so we step out in faith. It's awesome. And it's the very life of our faith is our works because we're doing them because we believe and we trust in Him. So let's go over it. And here's the final things here. Faith equals obedience. Hand in hand. There's no You can't separate faith from obedience. Because you take away either one, you'll have unbelief or you'll have disobedience. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. And then faith is tested when we're tempted to go against God's ways. That's when there's temptation. That's where we're tempted. But here's the great thing. Faith is perfected when we choose God's way. Our faith is strengthened. It's perfected. It's brought to wholeness when we do it God's way. And then faith is proven through our obedience. When we obey God, we prove that we believe. And then the final thing is faith without obedience is dead. So, I love how we had all these wonderful testimonies talking about obedience and John giving word about obedience and all those things because God's just underlining for us that He wants us to be a people of faith who walk in obedience to Him and to His ways telling you his ways are always the best you can't outdo god's ways you can't and it's when we try that's when our life starts crumbling that's when things begin to fall apart when we try to do it in our own strength in our own way to get the same things that god has promised and so freely given to us So, Lord, we just thank you for the incredible greatness of your splendor, your majesty, your goodness, your greatness. You're a God who is amazing. You give us your love, your compassion, and your mercy. You pour it out upon us in ways that are so incredible. Your goodness and your mercy are new every morning. And you give unto us So freely, all the wonderful things that were purchased through Jesus Christ. I just ask, Lord, for our faith to just increase in the sense of just that when you speak, we say yes. We can struggle because Jesus struggled. But ultimately, he said yes, and ultimately, may we say yes. And Lord, may your faithfulness shine through in our lives. As we say yes, open up your gates of glory and help us, Lord, to walk in your ways, to be pleasing to you in everything we do. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen.